0: Observe, orient, decide, act, it's a loop, a decision-making process that fighter pilots use to act quickly and put them in the position to win. So can this apply to sales? We think so.
1: Hi everybody, it's Pete Oliver, welcome to the Emerge On Purpose podcast. This podcast is for sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show, we'll talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose.
0: So today on the Emerge on Purpose podcast, Pete Oliver and I welcome Rich Austin. And we're going to jump into the OODA loop something I don't know too much about, but these gentlemen uh, have some experiences they want to share and are going to dive into the topic and how we might be able to apply it to selling scenarios, especially when it comes to decision-making and co- more complex sales. So um, Pete, I might ask you, because you kind of nominated this topic to set the stage for this, if you would.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think. In life period, one of the things that we all want to get good at is making decisions and it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. There's a lot that goes into it. There's what happens before the decision get made. There's the consequences of what happens after the decision get made gets made. So it, it's, it's always, and you think about it in terms of sales, obviously we're, we're trying to enable our client's ability to make decisions. But it's not always all about the yes, no decision at the end of the sales process. There's things that we're doing and they're doing along the way. And it's a series of these little tiny things that occur, these little tiny micro decisions, if you will, that end up adding up to winning or losing the battle. Right? So I've always thought, how do I become better at decision-making? How do I become better at enabling our clients' ability to make decisions? And really, that's 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 what we do for a living, I, if you want to boil it down. There, so I thought we'd spend a little bit of time talking about the OODA loop because it it's it's actually kind of cool to figure out like how do we leverage that proven decision making process in selling, right, and in leadership. So, Rich, I want to I want to bring you in on this here. So, since it is a a military driven concept. Uh, If you don't mind, there's this one little minuscule decision that was made in the context of the Civil War, okay? And it happened at Gettysburg, this gentleman by the name of Buford. Can you give us the the Cliff Notes version of, of what happened at the Battle of Gettysburg, before the Battle of Gettysburg with Buford?
2: Yeah. So quick overview of this. John Buford was in charge of roughly 3000 cavalrymen, which what is that? Those are horse soldiers. So their job primarily is to run around and scout the enemy's position and then filter that information back to the main body of the army so that they can decide where they want to place their troops or if they should attack or if they should defend. So they're scouts. They're glorified scouts. Now, they do carry firearms on occasion, but those firearms aren't necessarily uh, let's say, the, the best for inflicting damage should there be a fight. So at the Battle of Gettysburg, Buford is well out ahead of the main body of the American Union Army. And he's just outside the, the city of Gettysburg. He's around some heights. And back then, 165 years ago, high grounds or mountains or hills and possessing those are important because you can see you've got perspective. You understand where the enemy's coming from, how many they are. You see them before they see you. And it's a good defensive position. It's much easier to defend a high ground position than it is to try to run up a hill um, where people might be firing at you. So he understands all these things, yet his job is to scout and to filter that information back to the main body of the army. And based upon what he's seeing, he realizes that if they don't do something as they see the Confederate Army approaching and descending on the city of Gettysburg, if they don't do something to slow down the approach, they're going to give up the high ground. The Confederates will then take possession of those hills. It will make it very difficult for the American or Union Army to dislodge them. So he makes a decision after observing all of this, hey, look, I need to dismount my cavalry. I need to get our horses back to the side i need to place us in a line and i need to attempt to slow down the folks that are coming our way the enemy that's
1: okay. let, me, let me slow you down a little bit so yep. he's observing where the confederate troops are versus where the union troops are right and then he he's trying to basically make that observation and orient orientate What's going to happen if they don't hold the high ground, knowing that the troops are going to converge? It's going to happen. That's it. Okay. So he's there. He's looking around. He's like, okay, they're here. We're there. I'm on the high ground as as I stand right now. My troops are far further away than the Confederate troops are. Okay. That's That's his orientation process, right? Okay. So what's the decision? what did he decide?
2: The decision is, do I take my 3,000 men and run back to the main body of the army and report this as I'm supposed to do according to my orders, or do I decide to dismount and fight to attempt to slow them down so that I can buy enough time for elements of the main body of the army to then catch up and we can entrench in the high ground. So that's the decision he has to make.
1: Okay. Love it. And by the way, shout out to Jocko. We learned this at Gettysburg on this hill with Jocko and his team so that we could try to become better leaders ourselves, right? So yeah. there, we, we saw firsthand what happened here and then it inspired me and inspired our organization to figure out, okay, well, how can we leverage the OODA loop to be better decision makers in our own lives, right? So shout out to Jocko on that because it was, it was an amazing couple of days. So, okay, cool. So then, We got the O, the O, the D. So did they actually do that or
2: did they wimp out? Did they act? Did they say they were going to do it or did they actually do it? Like what happened? So by the book, the decision and really the action should have been ride back to the main body of the army and report this. That's not what they did. The decision was we're going to stay here and we're going to fight. And by the way, there were about 12,000 Confederates bearing down this road. Towards these three thousand Union cavalrymen, and they were able to slow them down over the court, uh, slow them down enough over the course of three or four hours to allow the main body of the army to catch up.
1: Love it. and And then the Union Army got the high ground. And that could have impacted because at this point, just a little bit of background, there was a ton of battles, and the Union didn't win barely any of them up until this point. So this definitely was a turning point and what helped? Well, Buford's OODA loop was pretty flawless in the moment. Right. So, okay. So th- there, there's the background. Let's bring this back to selling now, Lindsay, you probably ought to do that. I'm guessing.
0: Makes no, sense. I love that setup, um, And I'm glad that you mentioned uh, that the, the two of you got to go and, and do a leadership type seminar At Gettysburg, and this is what inspired uh, this topic and so many of these kind of war like conversations that we have and how we can apply them to business situations. (laughs) What I think would be really helpful is to break down each of these. I think um, the O and the O are a little bit more challenging versus the decide and act, right? Decide, you have to make a decision, (laughs) act, you have to take the action, but the the difference between observe and orient and what are some maybe questions we need to ask ourselves how can we do yeah do the best we can to orient ourselves uh, excuse me to observe and then orient and put ourselves in the best decision
2: making yeah. place?
1: so let, let's just think about the the air force uh colonel that came up with this is john burns is that right rich because john burns that came up with it so you think about it in terms of they're they're fighter pilots is why they came up with it you think about it in terms of that it's all about what you see right it's it's what you're seeing now in in our lives it's yeah it's what we're seeing but a lot of times it's also what we're hearing so i i think one of those challenges that sales reps in general people in general have is their, their active listening skills john boyd thank you thanks lindsay their active listening skills may not be there. So the observation piece breaks down and there's really no ability to orient or decide based on what you observe because you actually missed some cues, whether they're verbal or physical. So Sandler talks a lot about the communication pie chart and how we all make decisions early in an interaction. And yeah, 55% 55% of what we're looking at is visual. It's, it's physical cues and that's allowing us to make judgments based on what we're seeing with interactions that we have with people in a virtual selling world. If we have our cameras on, that can still be true, but it also will boil down to what we hear. So I I often think that that active listening skill is overlooked on the observation piece of the OODA loop, right? So Curious. Either one, can you give me an example of that in a in a situation? How do we miss some of those things from a from a listening perspective?
2: I've got one recent example in coaching with a client of mine, and, and debriefing their experience with one of their prospects. One of the things that we could miss is not necessarily what the individual says, but what is the intent behind what they say, and are we making assumptions? And so the, the the prompt that came from his prospect in particular was, how are you different than the three other folks that I've had conversations with this week in so many words? And my client, because he understands how they're different, proceeded to answer the question. But what he didn't understand was, what does different mean to this individual? So that could have been step one in terms of observation and orienting when they say different, different as compared to what? Okay. So that give us a little bit more clarity in terms of how we can then decide and act based upon that particular question.
1: You know what's really cool about that, Rich? Is this is going to, this is obviously a self serving statement, but if you don't have a sales methodology, right? The observation part, th- that means you have no orientation. Because you're not following any system. That would be like Buford not knowing that the high ground was important. Mm-hmm. So if if we have an orientation, that basically means that there's a North Star. Okay. If if you're listening, but there's there's no North Star, what what the hell are you doing? You're not doing anything. So in this case, if we know that mutual mystification is an issue, or we need to get it back to okay, compared to what? Right. Like what makes you different? And we don't know the compared to what part. Then we're going to have a problem. Right. So that's the big question. Okay, so let's move to orientation. If we're not following a system, then we're just going to spend our lives helping other following somebody else's. Right. So in the Sandler world, orientation, when we get that is what? What do we want to do? Right. What you just said, that's what we want to do. Reverse them. Cool. Cool. Cause let's go to orientate. I think we just kind of hit it a little bit, but when when we're when we're getting an orientation, it has to be compared to what our process is, what our best practice is, what our North Star is, right? So without that, there there's there is no orientation because you're just floating around in an ether with, with no direction.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Just to piggyback on the observe part too, and how that relates to orientation, whether it's in sales or in leading or management, right? There's, it's so often that we don't apply the 70-30 rule, right? Listening 70% of the time, talking only 30% of the time. When our, with our leadership style, we we end up rather than you know biting our tongue and listening to our reps when we're debriefing a call or we're doing a coaching session, we jump in, we're the superhero, we go in and immediately want to fix and tell them what to do. um, Instead of observing, instead of listening and really trying to get to the root of the issue and just reversing back to another question. So it applies there as well. It's just all too often that we want to be able to go in and provide the answer, as well as if you, as a sales leader, don't have a methodology to coach them to or say okay well where would you tweak it within you know this part of the process or when you were you know trying to set expectations maybe you missed on this but if you don't have any type of system to follow how can you make observations accordingly and then go into the orientation part it's like just to me it's like being able to pivot right and when you face unpredictable outcomes which is obviously something that happens in fighter situations and in sales most of the time.
1: Yeah. So you think about what an organization, how, how do they help their teams have an orientation, right? Is the vision clear? Is the mission clear? Are the operating principles clear? Are the rules of engagement clear? Okay. If, if all of that is, is known, you will have an orientation. Okay. You're observing something and you're applying it back to where we are and where we want to be. So those two things are extremely clear. Now orientation for an experienced sales rep is going to come from their own experience. Okay. Good or bad. So they actually may have an orientation that's going to lead them down the wrong path because that's what they're used to or whether that's what they've done in the past. So it's not always a good thing. But if we as leaders can create the vision, the mission, the rules of engagement, then that's going to allow the decisions to happen within a context that makes sense. Right. So you can kind of see how the O and the O can lead to a really positive decision. Okay, but if if either one of those two things is missing. We don't have our eyes open. We're not listening appropriately or we don't have those guiding principles then the d is is you're it's going to be a problem it's just you just know it's going to be a problem so let's let's go to the d for a minute here so it, it kind of makes it obvious that the d should become easier if the o and the o are working okay so why do we still mess the d up the decision even if we have the observation and the orientation, like you've you both seen Top Gun. Since we're talking about fighter pilots, let's go there for a minute. You know that scene early in the movie in Top Gun Maverick when Rooster was flying, and he kind of freaked out a little bit. Remember that?
2: Yeah,
1: guys, okay, so what happened there?
2: He was he was a little off. In, in he was a little. O and o.
1: Yeah, and it, and then he kind of froze, right? he kind of froze he knew what to do he was trained to do the right thing but somewhere between the o and the o and the d he froze right and one of those Sandler rules is a decision not to make a decision is a decision and he got himself into a lot of problems because he just could not decide in that moment right so what is that is it a comfort zone issue is it a mindset issue is it a skill set issue that's really what we as sales leaders need to figure out. Like, Even if our teams know what they sh- should or better yet want to do, you know, what's stopping them from doing that, right? And that, that's either decide or don't decide or, or revert back to a comfort zone or all those things that end up coming into play with the decision-making step.
2: Yeah, right? with, with decision, it, it comes down to you've got options based upon what you've observed and how you're going to orient or adapt what you've just observed. Now it's time to make a decision. And the key here is to make the decision that most aligns with your mission. And where we see ourselves getting into trouble with this, especially in sales, is if I've decided at some point that my mission is to close the deal, then I'm going to act in accordance with that. And I'm going to miss some things and observe and orient. If my mission is to determine a good fit or not, that's going to change up how I make decisions based upon what my prospect is giving to me. In a leadership capacity, if my mission when I'm coaching with my reps is to solve problems with them for them, that's going to be a different outcome as opposed to a mission stated that I'm going to put my rep in a position to solve their own problem. So does it align with our mission? And it goes back to what Lindsay said and what you said. We have to be clear on what that mission is. Is it to close the deal or is it to determine fit? Is it to solve somebody's problem quickly or is it to help them solve their own problems?
0: And yeah, to go back to the scenario in Top Gun, I mean, he was under pressure. He had to make a decision. And that's what this whole thing is about, like being able to stay flexible and make decisions quickly. So we think the pressure that we all feel as sales people people at the end of the month quote or quota, whatever it is, and we may act too quickly and we may skip steps. We want to close this deal. We need the deal to close by a certain date. People are counting on us, whatever. I've got to hit my number. So then you end up just fast forwarding through things or skipping steps. So it's like the decide part to me is just being able to stay flexible um, and check yourself, check your process, like have you hit all of your, you know, five levers or whatever they call it within, um, with flying your five dials and doing your due diligence, but also knowing you can't make the same decision every single time too. Like, oh, I've been here before. This is the exact same decision because we get in our ourselves in trouble in selling scenarios that way as well like oh I've seen this before I can fix this Um, and then you you don't get you know you mess up the orient and observe piece too so yeah it's interesting how this all kind of plays together and the pressure adds a whole different layer to it all.
1: It it does but we it was really hard for us as adults, when we're learning is to take theory, something we learn in a classroom and then turn it into application. So, but the more we practice, the easier it becomes. Like there's a reason why the best golfers in the world still have a coach and they still go to the driving range and they still practice because when the pressure's on, they want to be able to execute like it's muscle memory. So, you know, our clients that crush it at this, it's not like it happened easily. It's because they're practicing, they're pre-call planning, they're 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 going through their steps. They've decided what their plan and process is gonna be. So the orientation process is easier, but then you get to the A, right? That's, That's, I don't know, do it or don't do it. It's the action step. And what do we see there? Well, you can get ready to get ready. You can decide to do something, but delay the actual action and then time will kill the deal. So that action part is huge. That's the behavior part of the success triangle, right? It's, are we going to have a goal? Are we going to have a plan? Or are we going to act? And that action part happens a lot easier if, if we've decided that it needs to, right? So that, to me, that's, you know, being a, bring it back to disc for a minute. Like, Think about some of the issues we have based on how we make decisions. I, I tend to make fairly fast ones with maybe a little less orientation than like Lindsay, you and I were just talking yesterday about, you know, which, which partner should we gravitate to. And, and I stopped myself from making a really quick decision, but we got to go back and do a little bit of research to make sure that the orientation is correct. Right. Whereas other people might have analysis paralysis, spend so much time in the observe and orientate that the decision gets delayed and time will kill the deal. Just like it would have if Buford kept riding around seeing what's up, oh, let me check and see what's over here. Maybe there's, no, he made a decision before it was too late. And I I think that that has to be part of the equation too.
0: Yeah, what a beautiful thing! Like as a leader, to empower your people's ability to make these types of decisions, right? I mean, I speak to so many young reps uh, who, it, just young people, right? We, we haven't had to make a lot of decisions in our early twenties, mid twenties, and and now. It's just not. It is a muscle to your point where you have to continue to do the reps. So the more you do it, the easier it becomes. The faster you make those decisions. Um. And but giving your uh, team the, the the permission to hey make a decision at seventy percent when you're seventy percent sure it doesn't have to be hundred percent. Like have those conversations so they don't those who might have a tendency to get stuck in that analysis paralysis or too many details or whatever it might be. Um just go and I don't know, you're either gonna win or you're gonna learn something at the end of the day.
1: It's a great point. Are your people just a bunch of scouts looking around at stuff or are they empowered to make their own decisions? All right, it's a, it's a really good point, really good point. Well, I think we should end there, Lindsay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, let's tie a bow in this thing. Um, if you had to say in each of these buckets, um, one kind of tip that you would leave with our listeners, um, what would those tips be? If we started with observe, seventy thirty.
1: Love it, seventy thirty. Make sure that you've got a plan for how you're going to become a better active listener.
0: Love it. We do have uh, ten tips to become a better listener. So if anybody wants those. <laughs> We can send it to you. Um, Beautiful. 70-30 rule. Uh, Listen 30% of the time. Talk. Sorry. Listen 70%. Talk 30% of the time. Uh, Orient. So one tip there, Rich or Pete.
2: This could probably go to all four as a tip. And Jacko and team said this multiple times. Detach. Detachment is a superpower. So detaching our emotions. So detaching ourselves from our emotions. Detaching ourselves from the outcome. That's going to be absolutely critical so that we can make a, a, a good, solid decision that's in alignment with our mission. Because chances are there are going to be people or scenarios that come up and we get emotional or we get into the weeds. So it's important for us to be clinical about this process and, and, and look at it from a distance as opposed to looking at it through a little people.
0: Love it. Connect with reality and see the world as it really is. Um decide peter
1: decide based on the first two if if we're struggling with the observe or the or the orient orientate that's my upstate new york coming out orientate is, is, <laughs> it, is it orient or orientate orient. i'm not sure then the, the actual decision of itself means nothing if The reasons behind why you made the decision aren't clear in your own head. And then the action after the fact happens. So the decision is great. But what leads up to it and then what you do after, that's where all the magic's going to be. Let's go to the A. Rich, you take this one.
2: Implement all the
0: time. Giddy up.
2: (laughs) Implement to completion. Implement it to completion and, and get it going. Once you've made that decision, that is everything that you need in order to prompt yourself to act. So act.
1: Good. And you know what? Bring it back. Tom Brady, right? Why do you think he's the best quarterback of all time? It's because he does the OODA loop better than anybody. His release time is faster than anybody. His ability to orientate back to his system better than anybody. He can see the field better than anybody. But at the end of the day, what is he doing? He's he's throwing a football, like very fast. So this, this can be a, a big picture situation that you're looking at as a team because your mission, your vision, your goals, your operating principles, there may be some lack of clarity there. Or you can, you can figure out, okay, well, how do I do what Tom Brady does in the context of a sales call? How do I make sure that in the moment I'm throwing the football, right? Well, probably want to do some practice. You probably want to look at some game tape, right? You might want to get a coach. So all of that can play into it in different ways. But think about the OODA loop when you're making decisions, folks.
0: Love this. All right, gentlemen, appreciate you. Um, Love this topic. Go out and make some decisions. As we've said before, the road is paved with a lot of flat squirrels who couldn't make a decision. So don't be one of those squirrels and go out and use the OODA loop uh, to your advantage. With that, make it a great day and keep climbing, everybody. Do you ever find that your prospect's decision-making process is a mystery? Do you get stuck with people who claim they can make decisions, but really can't? Then you're left wondering what to do next? We at Sandler Sailfish excel at the how-tos in sales and sales management. Book a discovery meeting with us today. A discovery meeting is a simple exchange of information to determine fit, a discovery between two parties, nothing more. We've helped thousands of purpose-driven sales leaders and sales professionals just like you to shorten sales cycles, consistently meet sales forecasts, and take control of the sales process once and for all. Go to salefish.sandler.com backslash book a call or scan the QR code on your screen. Until then, keep climbing.